Welcome to Rad Parenting. Jesse, I'm here with you. Ananea Bogue. We've got a great show for you guys. First, want to thank all of you for all of the emails. Please keep them coming in. Yeah. Radparenting at gmail.com. We've been getting a ton of emails, and we've also been answering a lot of the questions. And we want to continue doing that because it gives us an idea of the topics that you guys would like on the show. So yeah. please keep them coming in. What's working, what's not. And then I just love, yeah, the ideas that we get that, you know, you and I can only think of so many things. So Absolutely. Awesome. And, and it also lets us know what you guys want to hear us talk about, what kind of guests that we want to have mm-hmm. in the show. Obviously, we've had a lot of musicians in here. We had you know, Steve Cavallaro, skateboard legend. But let us know, too, if there are any guests that you guys would want on the show. The best thing, too, about the emails lately is we've been getting uh, people asking us to be a part of the show. And it's some really, really interesting people, different authors that we're going to be bringing in over the next couple mm-hmm. of months. So we're super excited about Dr. that. Dr. Suzanne coming up soon. Dr. Suzanne is going to be on our show uh, her relationship with you, go into that for a second. Oh my Maya. gosh. Amazing. So Dr. Suzanne is my uh, OBGYN, my gynecologist, um, and delivered my second baby. Emergency C-section. It was a big deal. And she's just a rock. She's funny. She's brilliant. She's personable. She just like sets this incredible bar for what women should look for in a, in a gynecologist. And you have her coming on the show in the next couple weeks. Yes. Yes. She's going to be awesome. And I think for that show, there's so many different topics we could talk to her about. Yeah. But I think, I think we probably, for the first one we do, you know, you're, we're pregnant, you're pregnant, now what? That, that whole... Just kind of a broad stroke. That's right. And then to take it from there. Hope we can get her, get her to come back a few And times. she's been on Dr. Drew's show. Dr. Oz. Oz. Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake, yeah. She's done a lot of different media, and she's a really well-respected expert, so we're so lucky to be getting her. Dr. Suzanne, she will be on the show. Hey, you can actually, you can email her. I, I, I went on her Twitter because you said that she was going to be on the show. And um, check her out. Uh, just Her Twitter is Ask. Dr. Suzanne, and she answers all these questions. Super, super cool. She's super cool. This week's show, right now, that's going to happen right now. Good friend of mine. I've known this guy for a long time. His name is Toby Morris. Most of you will know him, or some of you will know him from the band H2O, hardcore band. They were signed to Epitaph Records out of New York City. And what I love about Toby and the reason that we invited him on the show is he's a father. Mm -hmm. He has a son. He's been married. He's been with uh, his wife, I want to say 20 years. 20 years. He's a unique character in the world of rock and roll and in in the world of parenting in the sense that he makes his living touring Mm -hmm. in his band. Mm -hmm. He's covered in tattoos head to toe. But he's all about uh, One Life, One Chance. It's a program that he started that's basically about his life where he never got into drugs or alcohol. Straight edge. Straight edge. And he's really a part of the straight edge movement that started in the 80s out of Washington, D.C. with Minor Threat. Ian Mackay was Don't Smoke, Don't Drink. Don't have sex just regularly for just that purpose of having sex. Or, or and not even like don't as a directive, but you don't have to. Exactly. Don't feel like you have to. That's what I think is the the thing that he really hits home is that you have a choice. And yes. his choice was just to live that kind of life. He's also all about the PMA. You've heard me mention it on the show. Uh, PMA, positive mental attitude. And he really takes that attitude and really puts it into his life. Yeah. I know that when we sat down with him, you really enjoyed his whole story. I it's, did. it's unique. Growing up in New York City, coming out here to California, were you surprised sitting down with them and, and getting the chance well, to meet I, them? You know, I love when a person's uniform, if you will, what's going on on the outside does not match what they do in the world or what's on the I just love that because I feel like it's sort of this pushback of like, I'm going to make this my own thing. I don't have to wear a particular uniform and follow that script. Um, so I really, really love that about Toby. And I think it's just really exciting to have the opportunity to sit down with someone who's walked an extraordinary path and continues to create an extraordinary 
extraordinary path um, and as a parent, because I think as parents, we want to know how to how to do that and how to set our own children out on that, on their own extraordinary path. So right now, sit back and enjoy Toby Morris here on Rad Parenting. They're like a little couple that still, like, they love each other. Like, when I see them together. I like that. So yeah. almost 20 years, right? Yeah, we've been together longer than 20 years, but married 20 years this next month. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when it's still good. Because yes. I've, I've said before on the show, like, you know, people that are just racking up years, but you don't even really dig any, dig each other anymore. I'm not getting behind that. But, you know, when you've got it going on and you still really like each other. Yeah, my wife is still sexy and beautiful to me and awesome and funny. And, and definitely listening to this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, she's at work now. But yeah, I'm just I'm just saying like she's definitely nothing's changed with her. She's become more beautiful with her Aww. age and so she's still crazy though. <laughs> the thing that's totally unique to Toby too, they have, well they have their son, mm-hmm. Max, he's 13, super super cool. But Toby's upbringing, you know, he's a full present father, you know, and everything in his life. Dad passed away when he was 3, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And how many brothers? 4? Two brothers. Two brothers. Two brothers raised by your mom, mm-hmm. New York City. And when him and I started talking, uh, he, he, he's friends with Steve Cavallaro. And I said, you got to come on the show. He's like, I'd love to come on the show. And what I, what I feel today's show is really all about is I've always used, and I'm just going to use, take the words out of your mouth. I was telling when we were going over being on the show, I said, yeah, I always use this analogy, Toby, of the parenting toolbox. And I started to describe the parenting toolbox. And you just interrupted me and said, hey, man, in my life, no parenting toolbox. Not even, a, not even tools, nothing. Maybe a lunchbox. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I think what today's show is about is that you can have the greatest parents in the world or you can have, in in Toby's case, you know, dealt a hand of like dad gone, mom trying to make it happen with two kids and really kind of having to fend for yourself. Mm -hmm, And and the father that you've become and who you have is, is such a an amazing journey. I mean, I think that's really where we start is, do you remember your father before he passed away? Or give us kind of a snapshot for the listeners of like what your household was like when you were growing up. All right. So I was born in Taunton, Mass. And uh, my dad died when he was 33 years old of a rare heart condition. And I was three years old. And only on my only memories, there are pictures and stuff. Uh, I, do, I, do, I do know that he built like a horse and buggy kind of thing. He built this whole entire buggy where instead of it was a horse, it was him. And he rolled us around the Aww. neighborhood in it. We went back of this like buggy thing, which is crazy. I've seen pictures of it. And then I hear, st- I hear stories about my dad. He was from a rough part of Troy, New York. He was like a rough guy, you know, but he looked like Elvis. He was super handsome, white t-shirt, you know, jeans. But that, I mean, my brothers have more stories than that, you know. But uh, I just remember, I remember coming home from school and... My mom saying that my dad was at the hospital and that something had happened at work or something. And then my dad never came home and never, we never saw him again. Mm. Wow. We didn't even go to the funeral. Oof. Nothing. My mom didn't want us to see any of that. Yeah. And uh, that was crazy. It took a long time. I, I kept always, I kept, I was always asking like, is he, when's he coming home? I, I couldn't, I didn't understand it, you know? It took a long time to understand that. And then, yeah, uh, my mom started working two or three jobs to raise three boys. And while that was happening, my brother's, were kind of in charge of me. And they took me to my first punk shows and got me to skateboarding and stuff, you know? So at that point, your your brothers almost kind of come in as the yeah. father figures in mm-hmm. your life. Totally. How much older were they than you? Let's see. Put their, put their ages on this podcast. <laughs> Ish. Bro- we don't even know how old you are, so it could well, be I'm four, I'm 40. I'm turning 46 this week on Friday. My brother's 49 and my brother is 50. 
So yeah, a couple years older. Okay. Yeah. And and at that point, is it just like anything goes? Is there boundaries? Is it just mom's trying to make it happen? And my, and- my, my mom was always there to make us dinner and stuff. She was always there. But my brothers did watch me a lot. And I actually ended up being super, super close to my grandparents. They took care of me every weekend. Um, but my brothers, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this later, but my brothers kind of scared me straight in a sense because my brothers were kind of partying in the house and stuff, you know, having girls over. And I was just like... It, it it was just a different world that I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I never was exposed. At an early age, I got exposed to that, you know. And they're the ones that also opened the door to punk rock and skateboarding. And with that, I found straight edge. So that's that's a whole part of the story. But Yeah, I want to talk about that because for a lot of listeners right now, they may know what straight edge is. Um, obviously, you know, I grew up with it, Minor Threat. I remember as a kid, you know, first getting turned on to the band Minor Threat mm-hmm. from D.C. And it was such an influential band musically but also it was one of the first bands i could really relate to that wasn't about going out and getting drunk and taking drugs and one night stands and and just really abusing your body and it was really about this this moment in time of knowledge is power and being sober and having clarity of everything around you was so Mm. important And, and it was such a strange message i think at that time for kids like us growing up mm-hmm. that, you know, all the other bands and especially what they were rebelling against was the huge rock moment movement that was just drink and, you know, drugs and all of that. Did, you said your brothers were partying and you said that kind of scared you straight. Yeah, what well, do you mean my, by my, that? My, brother, my brothers were into punk rock. They were like into like Sex Pistols and all the crazy punk rock that was like, you know, anti-government, anti world anti-parents all this stuff and and that was cool because i could skateboard to it and my brothers were like they were part they were partying they, they were probably listening to punk music and and uh and then through that i found the hardcore music that actually had a message it wasn't like f the world it was like let's fix the world mm. and let's let's be open-minded and let's you know let's end racism let's you know we don't have to get messed up to be cool and fit in all this other stuff really connected with me because i feel like a black sheep from day one in my family you know like the punk rock and the skateboarding that that was when they opened that door to me, that changed my whole entire life. And for them, um, it was just something that they stumbled upon, you know? Um, for you, it resonated more. Though. It resonated way more because I, I hadn't tried anything. And um, I was like 12 or 13 at the time when I really started getting into it, you know? And it just hit me like, wow, I don't have to do what my brothers are doing or what these other people are doing. I can still be myself and be cool. Which is, I mean, just right there to me says so much about you as an individual because it would have been such a natural inclination to want to be like your big brothers. I mean, mm-hmm. we've all... That's the thing that blows my mind is that, you know, usually it's your older brother that gets you into everything that they you did, get into. They did, but they got me into it, but then I found a different... Yeah, that's you, rare, found, you right? found your own way once own they introduced way. you yeah. to this new, this new. Uh, and, and, world. and I love and appreciate that with them. You know, I really do, and I, I love my brothers, and they do. They do look out for me a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I always tell them they scare me straight. They turn me into the person I am. You know. Yeah. So. It, so where does I want to know yeah. where the straight edge piece comes in? Yeah, because even Phil Nate, for the people yeah. that are listening to the show that might not know what straight edge is, I mean, obviously, I kind of like described me. it. All right. But, so so. So basically, there's you know there's a punk rock and the hardcore music, and a lot of the punk, like I said, was really rebellious. Anarchy in the UK, I couldn't relate to that. I love the Sex Pistols, but I didn't know what anarchy was or where where, where the UK was. And so yeah. I loved the music. <laughs> so a lot of stuff was like punk this and screw you, f your parents. I'm like, oh, I actually love my mom. She's actually raising us. I don't hate my parents. So I couldn't relate to the lyrics, but I could skate to it because it was aggressive music. But then I then I stumbled upon bands like Seven Seconds and Minor Threat, and these bands had actually a real message, a message about unity and change for the world and doing something positive. And the one song by Minor Threat from Washington, D.C. was called Straight Edge and it was saying, I don't have to drink or smoke to be cool. And that totally, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. It's fast. I can skateboard to it and I don't have to drink and wow. I can just be myself. And that, I just, that just stuck with me for my whole, um, 
my whole life. And, and through that, I found other types of positive music, you know. And this band, Seven Seconds, one of the records had a song called Man Enough to Care. And it was about growing up with a dad who was, like, really tough and making you, you know, you can't cry and don't show affection because that could be gay. And dude, these lyrics were, like, insane to me mm -hmm. for that type of music. There was nothing on the radio telling me how to be a dad or not to do drugs, you know. So all this stuff really, really connected with me. And it, uh, it's, it's crazy. And um, It sounds like Toby might not have had a dad... In that sense, it became my father's figure. Values. This music, I was just say. wow, yeah. seven seconds, Ian McKay, like this. They became my parents. Like this, I listen to it every single day, and I read the lyrics, and like, I don't know. They started going, really started going to crazy shows, like in uh, DC and stuff in the '80s, and getting to see all these bands. And then I found a bunch of people who were like me. They were black sheep, also. They were straight edge, and oh, this, and then then becomes a vegetarianism. That that was something else too. I haven't ate meat since 1988. Because, Which would have been revolutionary. I mean, it was much less common then. Yeah, so in the punk scene in the 80s, there was a band called Gorilla Biscuits and Youth of Today, and they were singing about vegetarianism and animal rights. I started getting into that, and I sang on this Gorilla Biscuits album, and one of the songs was called Cats and Dogs, and the chorus like, Thou shalt not kill. And these songs, I was like, I'm part of this, and I just wow. stopped eating everything. And my son's been vegetarian. He's 13 years old, never had meat. Wow. My wife was vegan 18 years. So all this, like the vegetarian, the straight edge, all this positivity came from this music that people think is so violent and so scary. And it's, it's, it's some of the best music I ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's our little world, but it's, it's crazy because your parents are like so worried about kids going to these shows and slam dancing and the violence, but they're getting these messages. They're not getting at home right. and getting at school and getting from their peers or, you know, so... I don't know. Well, I think it's also interesting that, you know, uh, we so often just sort of default to, and I think some of us need to do some reflecting on our upbringing and where our parents could have done better and where they done they did their best. But I, I hear you saying that, you know, even in the absence of that, whether your parents were alive or not, mm -hmm. that you can, you can take responsibility for your own path and find the answers that you're seeking in different places. To totally. I think a lot of people like to blame a lot of things on their parents. It's not always the parents' fault. And, and especially, I know that now, being a parent. Right. You know, my mom did the best she could with three boys and, and having no love of her life being gone and raising us, you know? I really respect her for that. And she busted her butt for us. And, sure. you know, obviously it wasn't the greatest connected loving that I wanted, but I, I really got a lot from that from my grandparents because they really took me under the wing, you know? Yeah. And, um... I mean, I ended up moving to New York City in 1988 all by myself because I used to send postcards to a band called Token Entry in New York. We didn't even, I barely knew them, and I moved all by myself, left my, my first love, and moved to New York City because I wanted to be a part of this music scene that I love so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I dropped off at CBGB's with my luggage at a Token Entry show in 1988, and I was so scared, but I was so excited to be there. I now just left my mom and my brothers. They, they hadn't even really left the nest yet. Yeah. I left first. Amazing. It's crazy. So many values and so much of who who you are. You came learned. from music. Not came my, from I, music. That's what I'm saying. So it's so once again, it goes back to, you know, there's no toolbox. There's there's nothing there except this music that you latched onto. Totally. And, and the lyrics, and then the kids that were into it, really kind of guiding you through your life. You moved to New York City. At, at that point, what you know, living in New York, I could only imagine what your your eyes must have seen and and what you scary, grew yeah. up to. Yeah. How. How did that shape you as a dad? You know, you have a son now that's you know, mm -hmm. 13. How much older was he than you when he split to, you know, when you split to go do exactly. that? Exactly. I mean, I went to my first show in 1983 when I was 13. So, mm. you know, so you and Max so, yeah. are at that same age. How mm -hmm. is it as a father that you're applying this life that you've had? And then also as a father, putting your feet in those shoes to be a dad as well. Is it a balancing act a little bit? It's a total balancing act. And, and it's like, 
Like I said to you yesterday, like I can't, I can't text my dad and say, "Hey, remember that time? Listen, mm-hmm. that remember that?" Because I never got to go play baseball, or go fishing, none of that stuff. Not, not, I don't know if I would have done that, but I didn't do the traditional things. I didn't have a traditional family, so I can only instill the values that I, I know from what I've gotten myself. You know what I mean? What I learned, pretty much on my own <clears throat> growing up. You know, and being around other people's dads, and you know, hearing people talk about how their dads treat them, or people having no love in their life, no attention, or um, I don't know. I, I'd, see, I'd seen all types of family situations growing up through all my friends. You know what I mean? I learned from a lot of their experiences not, not to be like that. Mm-hmm. And I would never be like that. I'm a really emotional, loving person. I may come from the hardcore scene and been around a lot of crazy people. But th- I don't know. That's not who I am. You know what I mean? Like those, those are the people who embraced me when I moved to New York City was these people that actually grew up there and came from this scene and they took me under the wings. And they, th- and they made me tougher and they... I like just, I don't know if you say the word balls, but <clears throat> they broke, they broke them, you know, they broke me down when I moved yeah. there and I got teased and I got picked on, but it was all love. It was like this tough love, this tough New York love, you know? And uh, it totally made me into a man moving there at 18 years old, for sure. And I've seen a lot of things in New York and I experienced a lot of things. And um, my son actually loves New York. He wants to move there. Um, so How do you yeah. feel about that? Well, I don't know. I, I know. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a different place there now. Too. I mean, he loves, I don't know if I ever moved there, but Yeah. I want to kind of rewind to, to you and Moon. You've been together 20 years. You guys met in the scene. Yeah. At a, at a certain point, uh, you decide, you know, hey, let's let's have kids. Let's, have, let's totally. make a person here. Um, you know. It's Joe's favorite thing to say. Yeah, I say that a lot. Because well, it's crazy. I love it. I love it. Yeah. it, it, it it's crazy it, it, that we make people. It's, it's, really, you know? it's, cra- it's crazy that you have like a, um, your best friend, your lover, your everything, and, you, and you're together for this journey. And then within 24 hours... You see her turn into a mom and her maternal instincts kick in and she's breastfeeding and you're yeah. in the hospital and you're waiting and like the baby comes out and you're like, oh my God, this is our human. We're going to leave here with this human that we made <laughs> yeah. forever. Yep. This, this, this kid's with us forever. Yep. And like you see everything change in your wife. You're like, holy, this, I've never seen that side to my wife before. And the next day, your parents. Yep. And, and there's a whole other side of yourself that you have to like dig deep for, yeah. uh, you know, or allow to come to the surface and like fingers crossed that, that it's going to work out, that you're going to be a good version yeah. of, of, of that part of yourself. Yeah, it totally changes everything. You get super emotional. You crying over silly commercials. Uh, a, lot, <laughs> a lot of violent stuff I couldn't even can't watch anymore and into it. Yeah. I could deal with it growing up. and have, It's just so, you see everything's so different. It's scary. It's definitely a scary world, you know. Did you think were there was were you scared at all when when you and Moon found out that you were going to have a baby because of the background and and like you said you know I can't text my dad and ask him yeah. what's going on I can't really feeling ask. like you didn't have yeah a did you feel, did you feel yeah exactly yeah did you feel a little inadequate in the sense like well, how am I going to make this happen it's crazy because my, my not to put my wife on blast but she she had a she had a uh, she wasn't tight with her dad she had a dad but wasn't tight with him mm. he wasn't he wasn't a good person. And I didn't have a dad. I wish I did. So, and then her mom's super tight with her. We have this balance, and like, I don't know. It's definitely scary. Obviously, it's scary to have a child, and you're never mentally or financially or physically ready to have it. But you do it out of pure love, and that's the reason why you do it. Is because you love someone, you want to make a baby with them, and your number one goal as a, and your number one job is to be a role model for that person when it comes to the world for the rest of its life. If you can't be that, you shouldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. If you're not a good stand-up person, you can instill that good stuff into them and be with them. And me and my son are so tight. It's insane how tight, it's kind of scary how tight we are. Like, we do everything together. Like, he's, you know. Isn't it interesting, just what you just said just made me think that, you know, you hear from people all the time, like, well, I I can't do that. Like, let's just say marriage, for example. 
not all people do this because some people are like whatever, let's just do it. But we'll, they'll say, well, you know, I'm not I'm not in a financial position yet to like get married. And, You're never going to be. And right, but but at the same time, I feel like how many of us as 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 adults stop and go, okay, I'm gonna I need to get to a certain place. I need to work through some of my own stuff before I bring another human being to the. Not that I have to be perfect because I'm a work in progress, but I need to work a few things out instead of working out working them out while I'm having this kid, which yeah. we don't always get to do. You don't. And we have to do our best. But and and the, and even there's some things that we can we can work through better, or we they come to our attention when we have children. Yeah. Um. But how? Where do you feel that you were? In, in terms of your own personal journey and your own, because it sounds like you were sort of forced to grow up really conscious of the messages that you were getting and mm-hmm. watching, you know, whether watching your brothers or watching these people that, you know, you ran into when you got to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you feel you were at on your journey as, as being ready as a human being to make a person? I guess I was like 30, 33. When, yeah, 33. When I had my son, we live in California. We just, we just moved to California for a couple of years. Our whole goal was to get out of this small apartment in Manhattan and make a family. Mm-hmm. We, we, we never saw beyond those buildings. We never moved to the West Coast. We love visiting here. We want to go and make a family, get a house, have a backyard, everything. So that, that's mentally where we were. Like, mm-hmm. let's get out of this city and let's go somewhere and let's expand and let's start another chapter of our life. So mentally, it was totally ready. My band was um, we had kind of on a hiatus at that point. We'd had to put a record out in seven years. So we were touring, but not as much. Uh, it, was, it was very exciting. So we moved in 2001, and then she got pregnant in 2003. So yeah, we, 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 that was our plan. So we were, anything was, as soon as we were in California, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Happens, we're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like I, at that point, I, I had been in a band for, I don't know, what's that, two, 33? My band started in 94, for a long time. And so I was on hiatus, I'm like, okay, now- <laughs> Too much I, math. Now I, gotta, now I gotta get a job until I figure out what our next move is, because we were a touring band for so long, like mm-hmm. 10 years straight. And my wife toured with me for like 10 years, selling merchandise. So I started working at Golden Voice in different places and then ended up making another record. Then we've been on tour ever since that, and that was 2008. So uh, so the music is – I'm very lucky to be have the music career. And when I'm home, I have the downtime with my son. Because mm-hmm. when I'm home, I'm home. This is all I do. So that's a, that's a real – that's a true blessing. Nice. There's a lot of people who work full-time jobs. They have way better security than they have. They have a um, 401k plan, whatever whatever it's called. Uh-huh. And then they have no time with their parents. The dad gets home at night. He's grumpy. He wants a beer. He sits on the couch. He goes to bed. You know, I, I live my life the way I want to live for my whole entire life. This is my life. is my band, our band, and I do it, and I do what I want. And I get to be a, a, a dad, full-time dad, and married to an awesome I'm very, I'm just very blessed. I, I, I chose this journey, and I made this journey happen. I, I've, I've sought, sought it out. I knew my plan was going to be, and I just live my life like that. Right, and, and, and um, so that would have been, would you say that w- before you even had Max, that you were already in that state of mind where you were like, I'm, I, I always say I'm the captain of my own ship. Totally. Right? So I'm the captain of my, my own ship. My wife steers it, though. And here's, you're like, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, and, and here's where we're going. Because I think, I mean, what a powerful uh, role model for, for, your, for your child mm-hmm. to be. I, I'm assuming you're teaching him exactly the same thing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're the captain of your own ship. Figure out what you want. And that's where the whole PMA, the positive mental mm-hmm. attitude, plays such a... Uh, because that's the driving force behind the ship. Totally. 100%. That's the toolbox. That's the toolbox. That's the toolbox. Well, yeah. We found it. Yeah. Nice. Couple, I, couple vinyl in there, couple records in yeah, there. That's yeah. The toolbox. I would say, yeah, man, uh, Toby Morris's to- toolbox has a big old PMA sticker on the side of it. Some bad brains in there, seven seconds, minor threat. A couple records in there, yeah. There you go. With, with, with your son and you, you say you guys are super, super tight. Super tight. tight. And, and, when you, and I know even from setting this interview up with getting you in here – it was 
spring break for him last week, and you're like, hey, man, I can't. I can't take time. We're gonna off. skate every day. Yeah. Or do something every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I I gotta ask you, does he ever? You know, because you know you're covered in tattoos. Yeah, you, but you got beautiful shoes on. You know, you, 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 you <laughs> love some nice loves shoes. The my son's got the same one with matching shoes, actually. Yeah, I want to be matching too. Okay. <laughs> does, does he ever? Does he ever say? Does your relationship with him and 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 you're skateboarding together and you're doing everything? Is is he just on board for the whole ride, or is he ever like, Dad? Come on, I want to do my own thing, like you know, or because right, right now, right now, his own thing is that he, he, like I, I get him like anything he wants. Like I'll get boxes from Nike or Converse or Vans or my friend Jim Thibault, Real Sense Skateboard. So all, all of my connections, I'm getting him stuff. He's like, I don't want anything anymore. I want to get sponsored myself. So he, he's been writing like direct messages to like all these skate companies and this thing, the tricks he can do. Like he's like, I want to get sponsored on my own. I don't want to get your, ju- I appreciate your juice, but I want to get my own juice. I want to, wow. I don't want to get sponsored because I'm your son. I want to get sponsored because of my skills. And I totally respect that. And he's trying to do it. And you know, my wife works at the barracks, so he skates there all the time. And he doesn't mind getting all the f- free stuff I get him. But now he's like, I want to kind of get my, he's trying to, I've been filming him making a tape he wants to make his own reel and get sponsored so that's i respect that he wants well, this to do his is, own this sounds like max's version so, so we've talked extensively <laughs> about you know that moment when your child and sometimes it's a little bit more unsettling for us as parents i mean this sounds mm-hmm. like quite a, a beautiful transition but when our kids go in, move into adolescence yeah. and there's this really powerful and important developmental time of becoming an i like yeah. sent, figuring out who you are as an individual and that pull away from your parent is sometimes really traumatic for know. the parent, but it sounds like it, it's you know it sounds like it's a little more gentle for you. I think it's yeah. gentle for for Toby because Max has Toby working, filming videos. <laughs> I know, I'm help, like... helping him send send them out to different companies. <laughs> it was to get funny sponsored. when he started, he showed me these direct messages he wrote to these companies. It was so cute, like this whole story about his tricks and why he thinks you should get sponsored. And I asked him yesterday, I said, "Anybody hit you back?" He's like, "No," but um. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, I love though that his, I love his determination. I want to know where that comes from because look, if I'm a parent listening to this and I hear you say that, I want to be like, I want to know what to do with my kids because I I want my kids to do that. So what yeah. would you say? Is, what do you mean is like, behind about, that? Yeah, about what's, yeah, what's made him? What's made him? I mean, what's made him Have feel confident, role that, as, confident enough that he can yeah. get a direct message of someone at uh, Real Skateboards or Pal? Yeah, be like, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna do this I'm one, gonna Dad. T- hey, Dad, thanks, but I'm gonna send direct messages. How old? I'm thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen. I think I'm gonna reach out to these people yeah. about them sponsoring me. How, what do you think? Yeah, you I mean, he's a very. Um, if people know my son, he's a very um, loving, outgoing, caring. Um, talks to everybody, confident kid. He's always been like that. I mean, I, I, I think it's from, you know, he's been to Japan twice before he was six. He's been to Russia. He's been to England. He's been to Poland. I took him all around the world when he was young. He's going to Europe with me all this summer. He's a well-rounded kid. He has a lot of confidence. He's not cocky. Um, and he's just a sweet person. And, and, and he's confident in his, in, his, in, his, in his skills. He's a great artist. He's an incredible drummer. Um, a great skateboarder. But he doesn't, he doesn't say I'm the best or I'm this and that, but he has confidence and he wants to let people know. And I just, I didn't even know he did that. He's like, oh, I wrote, I wrote the, I talked to some companies today. I'm like, what companies? And he reached out to all these companies he likes. I'm like, it's, it's crazy the power of that too. Also getting to social media, this like, he can just write a direct message to the hugest company. And mm-hmm. do, do you think maybe the fact that Toby had, and, and it's no different than, than a family bringing their son or daughter to work with them. And do you think maybe Max yeah. has gotten that confidence just from Toby bringing him out there and and acknowledging Toby? Hey, you're my son, but and you're you're not an extension of me. You're your own person, but I'm going to include you in my life. Sure. And and do you think maybe that's built 
this well-rounded confident he's not sheltered he's, he's been yeah. exposed to the world that, literally. that's what i i, I feel like that's that's the ticket because I, I think a couple <clears> of things probably you just being you and embodying the things that are important to you is what uh-huh. he's that's his primary role model um and and then i think in addition to that in p- taking him around the world like taking him out of his little comfort zone and this is the mistake that we make when we start helicopter parenting is like i gotta protect my kid i can't let them and and the fact is that we're disabling them so every mm-hmm. time he was in a foreign country or in an adult situation he had to tap into those inner muscles of you know how do i handle myself in this situation yeah. adapting to his surroundings exactly. adapting to and traveling and if we don't create those situations for our kids where we're exposing them to the world and giving them the opportunity to like build up those chops, it's not going to happen. So, I mean, it's I, just, think, I also think it's important too that, and this is something that, you know, Max has grown up seeing his mother and father work and been a part of it, you know, no different than a family restaurant, mm-hmm. no different than anything else. So I think that's so important. Sure. I, I know at least with my kids, I try to, I try to, you know, I try to get, you know, my daughter to come in to side one. She used to come in a lot more. My son, you know, will come in and, you know, you, you, they see, oh, dad's doing that. You know, a lot of times, does it generally open their eyes to just maybe a bigger picture? Oh, I, Do you I, I, see well, that? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think bigger picture of the world, but also a bigger picture of their mom or dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. who you are, Toby as dad at home is different than... To, not, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way. We just oh, we wear different hats and different mm-hmm. interactions bring out different aspects of our personality. So yeah. even him seeing different aspects of dad by seeing you in those different contexts. Yeah. And, he, you know, he... he he, he he hustles things. He doesn't expect things. Like he he had a lemonade stand for a couple of years on Pico Boulevard by my house, and he made a lot of money. He would buy sneakers with it or a skateboard with it, and he and he wanted to earn his own money. And just last week, he he came home with these two tires from the alley, and he said he wanted to sell these tires. He's like, I know. I I looked on the internet. You can sell old tires. I want to make some money because I want to buy this skateboard deck. So I drove him to this tire spot by my house, and I pulled the tires out of the back. And the guy examined the tires, and he said, I'm sorry, these tires are from 2002. And, uh, he wouldn't buy them. And Max was so bummed. He's like, I know people can buy I know he can recycle tires. I know he can sell tires. Aww. So I have the tires in the garage now. And um, he's just always trying to look at ways to make money because he's like, I'm not old enough to get the job. And he asked for a job at the gas station by the house. He said he wouldn't hire him because he's only 13. <laughs> so he's trying to hustle. Wow. A funny, funny story is that... Um, <laughs> My grandparents used to take me to Bradley's every weekend. It was a store. It's like a Kmart in Massachusetts. And every Saturday, I get to buy a Matchbox car or a Hot Wheels car. And every weekend, my grandfather bought me one car. And I had, I had hundreds of these cars, you know. And when I became old and got into skateboarding, and this company called Ocean Pacific came out. It's a skate, like mm-hmm. OP, remember OP? Yeah. yeah, totally. I remember sitting on Thames Street in Rhode Island, where I, li- uh, where I lived, and I had all my cars, and I had no money, so... I started selling my Hot Wheels cars that day so I could buy a pair of like $20 OP shorts to skateboard in. And I was on the corner by myself. My mom came down and checked him and I was selling selling these skate these uh Hot Wheels all day long. I made my own money and I started buying stuff with it. Love. My grandparents were so bummed, but they knew I was older now <laughs> yeah. and I didn't want the cars anymore. Right. I had them and I want to buy skateboard yeah. stuff. You yeah. were gonna oh. use what you had mm-hmm. to generate income yeah. to get the next thing that you need. So I was just starting on the street like not hustling, but just selling these these little cars yeah. so max that's where max gets this. it from for yep. sure he wants to just, you know make his own money and so i'm curious about so you know we've heard about and i love that you're so close to your son how how what is his relationship like with his mom oh super tight because the thing about it is is like i always tell my wife if it wasn't in the band we'd probably not be together because i leave so much mm. like we miss each other I, I love i hate leaving my family so much it makes me want to quit doing the band but i love coming home i love that feeling mm-hmm. it's such a good balance and so when i'm gone it's just it's his mom and Max the whole time. Right. And they have their own kind of bond. They do yeah. their own things, you know? Brilliant. And when I get home, I'm like, just so we talked about yesterday, and this is kind of hard too, and, and I, 
I told my wife, I mean, you talked about, it, it was like this balance of like, I always felt guilty for leaving them. So when I came home, I was like, let's do anything you guys want to do. Let's party. Let's go to the yeah. movies on a school and let's get ice cream. Yeah. And my wife's like, hey, I'm the one here with the rules and I'm the one being the hard, hard one, you know? And so there's a balance of like, you said yesterday, like the Disneyland dad and then the serious person. And <laughs> yesterday, my, my wife said, why can't I be that role? Why can't I be the fun mom and you be the serious, yeah. like punishing? Because I, don't, I definitely know I spoil my son, but he's not spoiled to the point where he's a jerk. He's respectful and he's kind. He's yeah. not like, give me this, give me that. He knows it's not like that. Right. Just like him saying, I don't want no more free stuff. I want to earn my free stuff. Yeah. So it's like we have this balance. And I think the balance is for me not be, coming and going and not being there the whole time. And we have this, they can come out and see me on tour. I can take them on tour. And then I don't know. But then there's a thing where it's like my wife has these rules set. And so when I'm away for a couple weeks, they're, 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 they're moving on with their lives. They're in their schedule. It's carpooling and such doing their thing and when I come home I'm kind of like hey I'm home here I am yeah and they're in their mode of being real life stuff and I'm coming from fantasy My world gosh. which is tour that's hilarious because we had Chris Shiflett in here a couple of weeks ago yeah. and he said told us exactly the same story yeah. this, this <laughs> part of this hang out I'm home now yeah. and you know what though and I think I think for for any dad that's listening or any mom that's listening any anybody that's out there is working because we have plenty of people listening to the shows hit you know not in bands but are like my hours are this or I yeah. travel when I work it's it's you know, it's the same thing I hear from so many fathers and mothers that have those work schedules that there's one parent at home, you know, holding it down. Holding and it then, down. And then, and then the other parent, whether it's the mother or father, comes home from the journey and they want to rage. They're like, mm-hmm. let's go. Well, they're and, like, and, here. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. Your there's turn. that handoff. I'm going to the spa. Yeah. Yeah. There's that handoff. And and I, I've, you know, I've seen it in my own household where where there'll be those moments where where I'm I'm home and I'm ready to go and yeah. it's a school night like you said let's do this like just the other night I I you know my son and I were on the couch we're staying up late and you know my wife's like hey you know people gotta go to bed it's eleven thirty and I was like why <laughs> he's like because oh, you're not gonna want to deal with them tomorrow morning yeah. or when I come home from gigs so many times at night I'll come you're home like from hyped doing, you're hyped dude yes. I come home from doing stand up. And I always come home, and, and I love it more than anything. I love it so much when I come home, and I'm downstairs, and I'm maybe making something to eat or something, and then my son comes down, and then my daughter comes down, and How we're was it? both down there, and it's Aww, midnight, yeah. and I'm making, and they're just like talking to me, and then, and then you know, my wife was like, hey, you know, and I'm like, Check, you know, everyone's up? And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, the next day we're running a little slower, but I do love I those know. moments. Yeah. Because those, those moments are never going to happen again. Those never. Are, when you're like... six feet under... Yeah, you know, and you're a mom or dad, your kids aren't going to be like, I always love that my dad put me to bed at nine. Like, they're going to be like, I love the fact that my dad would get mad at me if we didn't watch Twilight Zone. And there's there's, there's always those thoughts, especially when you get older and like, you're your own boss. You've always been your own boss for a long time, right? Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm so like, that's one thing that when you say uh, you're home and you're able to spend the time that you want with your your children. Yeah, the fact that I'm able to make my own schedule and and I- We're so lucky, man. It makes me feel so lucky and, and- and just so uh, grateful, and for the parents that aren't able to and work so hard, I just I feel you know I feel for that because I know how hard that is to be away from your kids. Yeah, and not everybody is I'm not saying lucky, but we definitely worked hard for the positions we're in. But there's always those thoughts of like, is the grass always green on the other side? Because like, what if I was working a nine to five job and my wife was working a nine to five job? Would we would we be so positive? Would we be so excited? Would we have that time to spend with our kids? 
I don't think so because a lot of people are working jobs they don't want to work and they're doing it just to raise their family. They're doing it because they have to. And we're doing it because we love it and we're very lucky to do that. And I feel like that brings a whole different, that's a whole different energy that brings in a person itself, let alone a parent. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm sure. doing what I love. I'm traveling the world and I'm bringing my family with me. And so all that stuff comes through because we have a great life. We're very lucky. You know what I mean? I don't have a retirement plan. I don't have good health insurance, but I'm doing what I want to do. <laughs> and I, I think you know right I mean? there, like I think right like, there, I think right there is where you, you, it goes full circle in the sense of, I've met how many people have we met that they go, you know, love my job, hate my family, or you know, right. or it you sucks. Know, lo- love my car, can't stand my wife. Love, you know, love love my office on the corner, but can't stand my kids. And we love it all with what you went through with your dad passing away at three, your mom having to raise the two of you, and really. You know, the way you talk about raising kids sounds like you have a degree in it, you know, from a, a university, whereas your whole college uh, education came from the, the streets of New York and hardcore music. Yeah. And, and what I love that you said, too, is as a person looking at different fathers, different mothers, and taking a little bit from that family, taking a little bit yeah, from that family. Yeah, my friends are treating stuff. Yeah. And, and your grandparents. And my grandparents are amazing. And also, it's like, n- not to say that everybody can do what they want to do with their life and love it but everybody has an opportunity to choose the path they take at a young age and I chose my path and I'm living proof as a 46 year old man that you can do whatever you want if you believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing you can do it because and, and I, I don't feel I sometimes do, I, I don't feel bad for people who are miserable in their lives and their jobs because they're in charge of themselves nobody's mm-hmm. telling them what to do Nobody, you're your own person you, you're in charge you're only on this planet for like However long, I don't know how long I'm planning for, but you only get one life is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Is that like, uh, it's like, you can, you, can do, you can do what you love. There's no excuses. Not, I didn't even go to college, man. I, my mom couldn't afford to send me to college. I do wish maybe I had gone to college. I don't know what I would studied. But my college was, yeah, it was music. It was the streets. It was everything I learned from the culture I was around me. And like, everybody can be in charge of their own destiny. It sounds so cheesy and corny, but it's not. It's like... It's not. I want to touch on uh, the the organization that you've started, and for the people that are listening, because they can actually have you come and talk about this yes. at, at schools or any kind of gatherings that get pulled together, different events. Uh, one life, one chance. Yes, named uh, after H Tool. Let's song. talk about that. So let's give give our listeners a, a description of what One Life, One Chance is all about. All right. So One Life, One Chance is an H Tool song on one of our records called FTTW that came out in 1999. It's also the name of my nonprofit 501c3 organization. Very proud to say that I am a nonprofit. Um, I spoke to I spoke at like 36 schools so far, and school started because there was a fan who was a there was an H two O fan who was a school teacher in Rockaway Queens, and it was a really rough school. And um, she made a PMA mix CD for her students, and one of the songs was a song I wrote called Sunday. It's about my dad dying. It's about me becoming a dad. And out of all the songs on the CD, this is the one song they all connected to. None of these kids like punk rock or nothing. So she sent me an email, and then she sent me like 50 letters in the mail, and I was bawling reading these letters from <laughs> oh, these kids. Then she invited me to the school. I went to the school. I spoke to all the kids. They were reading the poems to me. I was crying. They were crying. And because of that, other people found out, and I started speaking at schools. And I have a PowerPoint presentation with, you know, these are my friends who passed away from drugs. These are my friends who are successful that you probably can relate to who don't do drugs. Um, this, this, is, this is why I became this way. Not all tattooed musicians cheat on their wives and are in rehab. This, I'm just talking as myself. I'm not in a suit. I'm not being preachy. I'm not like scared straight. I'm not your dad. I'm not a cop. And the kids totally relate to it. And it's an amazing feeling. It's, 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 I can't express it to you how it feels. It's way different than being on stage because when you're on stage, kids come see you. They know exactly what you're about. They're singing your words. These kids don't know who I am. I walk into this auditorium. So I'm covered in tats. Some kids tell me straight up on the microphone, I don't believe you. 
I don't believe you're straight. Is it, they don't, because there's, they're used to the stereotype. They say yes. that to yes. you? Yes. Straight yes. up. Yep. Straight yep. up. I spoke at a school in Palais Verdes. It was like the most, you know, I don't know if you want to put this in it, but it was the most. No, rich, I saw the video. I the saw richest the video. school I've ever been to. And there was like a black tar heroin epidemic at the school. Yeah. And kids were on their phones every time. They, they could care less. And one kid, this is the only school that ever happened to me because most of the schools, I'm getting hundreds of drawings by the time I'm done with my second, my second, um, talk to the kids thank you so much this one person really connected and she ended up coming to me coming up to me after and coming to my some of my events after that but all the bunch of the kids i don't believe you you're not straight edge i don't believe you on their phones driving more expensive cars than the teachers it was crazy wow. yeah that's the only school that ever had affected okay, me. So can we, me we have to dive in a little deeper to this for go, a second because my, my here's my question is what what is the message? So the message is not just straight edge, don't, nah, don't do it. Nah. What what is it you're telling? Because I I know there's parents listening for sure right now uh-huh. that want to be like, how do I explain to my kid why it might be a good idea not to mess with drugs and alcohol? I mean, my my explanation is basically, hey. You know, I found this music as a youngster. I found skateboarding. You know, kids call me gay. They call me names in high school. Said I was going to marry my skateboard, take my skateboard to the prom. But skateboarding kept me away from peer pressure. I didn't go to the keg parties. I, I didn't go to all the crazy stuff kids were doing, peeling out in the parking lots. I skateboarded every day. I read my Thrasher magazine, watched my skate videos. That's all I cared about. That was my thing. I'm going to be a pro skater. That's all I wanted to be. And so that steered me on this positive path. I'm tatted up. I look like a total freak, but I haven't eaten an animal since 1988. I never tried drugs and alcohol. All musicians aren't tattooed freaks. I've been married for 20 years. I'm happily married. I have a beautiful son. Grew up with no dad. Don't blame everything on your parents. Here's a bunch of people. C.J. Wilson for the Angels. He's been straight edge his whole life. Haley Williams from Paramore. She's straight edge. CM Punk, one of the most famous wrestlers. So I'm I naming all these people that. that they can relate to. There's a bunch yes. of rappers now. Tyler the Creator now. A bunch of rappers now who are straight edge. So I'm just trying to say, hey, these these are the people that you should be, should be your role models. You know, people because? listen to on the radio are singing about getting drugs and going to strip clubs and all this negative stuff. There's a bunch of positive role models for you out there. And here they are. And these are my friends who died of heroin overdoses. Mm. And here is my, my, is my bass player with alcohol poisoning face down in the mud at a no effects festival mm-hmm. we played. It was here, here's him in a wheelchair. I picked him in the wheelchair at the airport. I'm just telling real stories about how I've seen drugs and alcohol affect me in my life. And this is why I didn't do it. And you can do the same thing. You have a choice. You have a chance. So is there also a connection in when you're talking to these groups of kids, or I certainly assume in talking to your son, where there, there's this idea of like, if it all comes, if you are the captain of your own ship and you've got all the, the tools you need inside, if you will, that there's really no need to hinder, like hinder what you have or... Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. by by getting into these other things, because some people will say, you know, when I do this drug or that drug, I, you know, I tap into this, you know, it helps you write songs. Yes, yes. You know, so it, it, I'm not saying if you do drugs, you're a bad person. If you do this, you're bad. I'm just saying I didn't need to do those. Mm-hmm. This is what I achieved in my life mm-hmm. from not doing them. Mm-hmm. These is you know, and I, I know people who smoke marijuana every single day, mm-hmm. and they're super talented. Yes. Yes. Um, so you're dog. trying to give them an <laughs> option. You're trying, trying to, to give say, an option instead of yeah, just don't... falling into stereotypical behavior or following uh, peer pressure. That here's this whole other option, and here's how it worked for me. And yeah. here, are, here are a bunch of other people that all, it, this also worked for. Um, might might be something you want to give totally. a try. I, mean, I found out really fast in high school who my friends were, and I, I had the peer pressure, I had all that stuff, and I just avoided. And I get I, people called me names, mostly not to my face. And a lot of people were towards like my senior year. I was like the prom king. Uh, I was a school jester. I was breakdancing at the prom. I had all different kinds of friends there and I was a skateboarding weird kid at the school but they all they got it mm-hmm. and there was a lot of kids from that that I inspired um this was in 1984 when I moved to southern Maryland and we we're like 
it's, it's the whole other thing, but we're on the cover of the newspaper that, that me and my brothers and Rusty Pistachio, who's in my band, we brought punk rock to this small town in Southern Maryland because I moved there from Rhode Island and there was racism and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And so that's, that's how, I don't know, I'm going off the, off the road now. I'm just saying like, I, I've been around all kinds of stuff and I just, I, I never drank. I didn't, I, I could go to parties and drink soda. I didn't have to do that. I was, I'm high on life. I've always been a hyperactive person and I, and that stuff scared me. And yeah. it just, even after my brother scared me, even through high school and other things and reading about people who died, who I looked up to, admired yeah. from drugs. I'm like, that's, that's, I think, right. I think the thing that, the thing that, that I pick up on it from what Toby's doing with one life, one chance too is, is just really giving people an opportunity to, to see that you can be in that moment of adolescence and going on yes. to your, through your whole life of craziness and, and Hey man, we can get crazy and we can go for it and we can turn it up as loud as we want. But that doesn't mean that you have to numb yourself with exactly. chemicals mm-hmm. and alcohol and, and, and check out and I think in society right now, and it's always been that way, is, is the story of numbing yourself is so much cooler and projected and pushed on young people than the story he's talking about. The story, that, the story that Toby's talking about. It goes about. back to parenting. You know, what it, are you numbing yourself from? What kind of childhood do you have? Yeah. What were your parents like? What happened in your home? Right. Like a lot of these people tell me that like, they, they can't even, like at these schools I say, you know, if you're being bullied or having problems with people pushing alcohol or drugs in you, some people said they can't even talk to their parents. Yeah. They have to talk to a counselor or a friend or a cousin because some of these kids' parents are smoking weed in the house mm-hmm. and drinking in the house. They pull me to the side and they have like these one-on-one heart-to-hearts. There's tons of people waiting to talk to me after and kids pull me aside and they're tearing up and they're telling me these heart dart stories about what's happening at their home yeah. and how they, 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 they can't escape it. Yeah, how their parents are checked out and not able to deal with their own pain. And, and it all goes so, back to that. Yeah. Your, your, your role models, like your parents yeah. in your house. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think it's what we say. Our kids mirror what we're going to do. I've learned that term from doing this show with you. I mean, you. it'd be great if my son was like a success, successful lawyer or something, but I don't know. <laughs> He's a drumming skateboarder. I don't know what's going to happen. But we'll see. So it sounds like you're doing. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great. And this is to me what it's all about. Is it's not saying here's where I want my kid to nah. land in any specific way. It's like I want this kid, and this is what I say to, especially my older daughter. And I'm starting to say, is your job is to figure out who you are, who you want to be, and steer your own ship. And we'll help you, guy. That will be there for you. But when you yeah. become a man and he wants to go out, if he wants to eat meat right now, that's his choice. But he doesn't. But when he gets old and he wants to go out and say he's 21, but he wants to drink. But under my roof, none of that stuff's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to be with him and guide him, but I really feel like he's so so grounded and so smart. He knows right and wrong. He knows what the effects are. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I can only do my best. And, 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 and what I love th- about today's show was, once again, going back full circle, is that we're all in this ride together having kids, and, and it doesn't matter how educated, how yep. not educated – uh, great, parents, great parents, absent not parents. parents. It all comes yeah. down to one thing: is that once you make these people and they're in front of you, and and Toby's, you know, shown us one hundred percent today is dropping in and being a father, being a present mother, being a present role model, being you know, being a whoever you are, being present for that person that you're responsible right. for, and that that's what I've taken. And that's your job. Away that's your number one that's job. job. Yeah, that's your only. Job. Toby, thank you so much thank for you, coming you, and you. doing yeah, this. If anyone so wants to check out One Life, One, uh, one Chance. OneLifeOneChance.com. Okay, cool. There, yep. And then uh, to follow you on Twitter, because I know you're mad Twitter guy. At Toby Morse. There you go. Instagram, this, Twitter. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks, Steve Caballero, for talking Toby. Yes, Did he have thank to talk you, Steve you into it? 
No, 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 no. No, no, no? He just told me about it. I knew it was going to be awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, and thanks again, you guys, for all of the emails. Any questions, any any topics, anything Keep you coming. want us to talk about, uh, hit us up on radparenting.com. Uh, we are out of here. We'll see you guys all next week. Late. Later. Late.